Welcome to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. If you're ready for inspiration and tips to improve your life, hear what some of the fascinating minds of today have to say. Our hope is that you'll live your passion and inspire the world. And now, here is your host, Allison H. Larson. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. This is Lori Richens with Family First, filling in for my friend Allison. She's off doing something important today and isn't able to be today present in studio. So I've been a regular featured guest spotlighting the importance of families and society, and I am so pleased to have the full hour today to address important issues involving the family. Today, we're going to be discussing the power of communication to create healthy human connection and how communication is the key to establishing strong families. I'm so pleased especially to have two guests joining me today. The first is the lovely Becky Latin. She's my personal friend and client, and I've asked her to join me because I've had the privilege of working with nearly every member of her family, not only her children and her husband, but also her sister and uh, her sister's family as well. So I'm, I'm a personal and family empowerment coach, and my mentoring business is called Whole Family Mentoring. So I've nearly worked with her whole family, and we've experienced a lot together on their journey to maintaining a strong, healthy family. I know she has some excellent insight to share with our listeners, but first I want to give Becky a moment to share a little bit about herself. So Becky, are you there? I am here. Can you hear me? Yes. I'm so glad to have you present with me today. I know we had a little discussion before the show, but can you take a few moments to share a bit about yourself and how long you've been married and how many children you have? And and uh, I'd love to kind of get a recap myself. Of course. Thanks for uh, letting me be a part of the show today. So um, I was born and raised in Idaho, and I've been married for 26 years. Um, We met at school at um, Brigham Young University, and then we spent most of our married life in Colorado, a couple of years in California, and we've just recently, um, in the last three and a half years, moved back um, to Idaho and have been able to be closer to family, and it's brought some um, great opportunities and some challenges as well. So it's been really a blessing to have you in our family's life. And I have seven children ranging from 25 down to five. So we have a, a big span of ages. You have seven children like I have seven children. And I've been so fortunate that our children have been friends with some of yours as well. You are a family that has high standards and you have a lot to offer people in the community. And I feel really fortunate to have been a part of that. But I loved something that you said earlier as we were having a brief discussion about, uh, you had a conversation with someone regarding what it's been like to move back close to family. Can you share what that was like, a little bit of that conversation you had with your friends? I will. We, we um, had the opportunity to be with some of our Colorado friends this last weekend, and she asked me a question about, has moving back been difficult in, in regards to family relationships? And she said, um, did you notice when you came back that um, your relationships seemed really superficial? And that just really struck a chord with me because I realized that when you live far away from family, it's really easy 
to just, um, you know, kind of have a superficial relationship or just be on the surface. And, and that changes when you're in a day-to-day relationship. There's no longer uh, uh, the privilege or, or actually it's not a privilege, just, just there's no longer the ability to be superficial. You have to find some authenticity in order to grow that relationship and develop it, make it stronger. That's so true, and I had a chance. Your sister is also my friend and client. Her name is Natalie, and as I've worked with her and as I've worked with her husband and her children as well, I remember talking to her about encouraging her to get a closer relationship with you, encouraging her to just have a deeper um, conversation and to get a, a closer connection because I felt like you two could really support each other. But even the two of you went through kind of a season of trying to figure out if you could trust each other, how much you could divulge in one another, and um, really how authentic that relationship could be, and how is that now? Wow, that has that has been strengthened so much, and, and that's true. Um, you know, living far away from each other, we, um, you know, we talked a lot, and when we visited each other, I sensed that we still had this closeness that um, like this connection and I, a lot of it is because um, we have kids the same age and um, we're just kind of in that same time of life, similar times of life. But, um, but again, just that distance allows you to, to not be real. And so we really, we didn't really struggle um, in, in regards to, you know, being mean to each other or having those kind of issues when we, when we moved close to each other, it was more just um, just not really sure if we could trust each other and and sharing friends and you know I kind of just came into her life and uh, um, you know I I became a part of her day to day activity and so so we really had to just figure out where we stood with each other and that took a little bit of time and one of my favorite things was kind of watching that whole process unfold because uh, both the two of you are not only physically beautiful but you're also highly accomplished and and you've married well and you you have really high standards that you want to maintain and yet as time has gone by as siblings you've realized that there's been some patterns that have maybe been passed down through the generations that have created some problems, created some circumstances that you've had to address. So I've had the fortune of dealing with your family vertically and horizontally. And um, the two of you who have such love for your parents, and yet you were trying to figure out how best to heal some relationship issues with them as well. So Um, There are certainly challenges also going back to your old hometown and some of those feelings of what it's like to kind of be back in the place where you were once young, where you were a girl. What was that like going back to Weezer? Um, That was was a challenge and not, not one that I expected, just trying to find my place there when I haven't been there for, you know, over 25 years. And just really, um, again, trying to trying to be authentic, trying to um, find out uh, how I could fit in now as an adult when I'd been there, you know, as a child and and, and in high school, and um, realizing how 
you can kind of see yourself. Um, there's some moments that I, that I wish I, you know, I wish I could not remember because we're not always our best selves in high school. And so some of That's that right. also kind of played with me and, and uh, you know, made me feel like, oh, man, I really don't belong here. But, but again, having that, um, developing that relationship with my sister, with Natalie, really helped me um, to grow in the community as well. Well, that's the one thing that I hear is a common theme that when you move away from a place and you grow and develop and you become a new person, when you go back to the place where you were raised, sometimes you revert and you're not quite sure how to find your place because you're a different individual. But I've been really pleased to see the family dynamic and how you functioned. And I believe that God is truly orchestrating families and bringing them together so that they can address the issues that maybe have been barriers between them, because really that's what matters most, and it's the family. And so I I want to bring on my son Joshua. He's my other guest, and uh, he has been such a gift to our family. Uh, He's the fifth of our seven children. He happens to be good friends with, with, is it your fifth child too, Becky? No, no, he's one of your older children, right? Yes, second and third, yes. Second and third, yes. So Joshua is very calm. He's very wise. He's an excellent communicator. And uh, I want him to share a little bit about himself and what it was like to grow up in a large family and uh, the plans that he has for his future. Joshua, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, so growing up in a large family. So it's kind of fun. I am the fifth of seven children, and there's about a five-year gap between me and the next oldest. So it was interesting when I was younger, growing up, feeling like a young child, like one of the younger children in the family. And then later, during my high school years, almost strictly in high school, I was the oldest child in the home. And it was fun to see both perspectives a little bit, and that perspective of looking up to these awesome siblings whom I love so much and um, none of us perfect but we definitely had a love for each other and kind of learning from them and their relationships with others and then also wanting to be a good example for my younger siblings and the relationships that they have been developing as well so it was interesting to see that different perspective it was fun to have always someone to play with um, you could be yourself, but you always had someone that you can um, go and do something with. I love that, and it made me feel more confident to be social with other people as well. Um, what was the, the other thing you'd like me to, to mention, Mama? Yeah, something exciting is happening in your future. Do you want to share a bit about that? <laughs> yeah, in the future. So um, that was growing up as a child. Now I'm going to have the opportunity um, within the next six months to be preparing for starting a family on my own um, with this beautiful, lovely young lady I've met, um, that I've been dating. And it's been cool to kind of have a different perspective there because I feel myself just naturally switching out of this child stage into um, husband and future father stage. And it's been really, really interesting to see that process go go and be in fold. Well, one of my things uh, that 
I'm certainly aware of as a family empowerment coach is the challenges and burdens that families bear. And I want to be a voice, an advocate for um, families being able to move on and have hope for a happy future because we know that addictions and suicides and divorce rates are very high, but families are succeeding as well. Families are having a lot of blessings unfold to them, and there can still be a great deal of happiness as we work through some of the challenges that naturally come with life. So my job is to help fortify those families so they can have the joy that um, motherhood and childhood can can offer. But one of the things that um, I often share when I'm on stage speaking or in the book that I'm writing is what I call the SOS distress signal. When families are having challenges, they need to know when it's time to reach out for help, when it's time to reach out for support. And the SOS signal is something that I teach to help people to know when it's time to reach out for more than what they might have within their own family dynamics. So I'm going to break this down and describe what SOS means. And then Joshua, I'm going to have you share a little bit of your perspective regarding the first step. And then Becky, I'm going to have you talk about the last step. So so be prepared for that. This is something that, as I've spoken on stages, this particular area of my presentation seems to resonate deeply with people. So... In the SOS distress signal um, portion of of what we're talking about today, the the first S stands for sarcasm. When sarcasm starts to slip into your family, it creates a wedge. It kind of hides what you're really wanting to say. And we have a really damaging cutting effect on um, people's relationships. And when you start to see sarcasm and criticism slip into families, this is really important to either reach out for help or to at least recognize it and to address it promptly and get it to stop uh, in an efficient manner. The subconscious does not know how to interpret sarcasm or humor, so everything that is said is received as fact. So, Josh, you and I know we were um, working on our video presentation yesterday. It's going to be on a website coming up soon, and we were talking about the difference between being light-minded versus light-hearted. And when someone is light-hearted, they're just jovial. They're happy. They're not speaking or laughing at somebody else's expense. But we can so easily slip into the light-minded aspect of communication. And when we communicate with a light-minded sense, it's often at the expense of someone else, and we're not really thinking about how they're receiving it on the other end, and it can be really harmful. And Joshua, you know that we were recently on a trip. Um, We had you and Lily and Brian and I, your dad and I, went to California, so we spent hours and hours and hours in our vehicle where we just talked and we laughed and we listened to music and watched movies. We had a lot of different um, activities going on, but Uh, I wanted you to share what it was like when we were in close quarters for a long period of time and suddenly it started to turn into a little bit of sarcasm. Can you talk about what that felt like in the car? Yes, I'm happy that you mentioned the the close quarters for an extended period of time because (laughs) it's hard to always keep face 24-7. I mean, we all are so imperfect. Um, even when it comes to communicating. And we're a good family. We love each other so much. 
But as we were traveling, and this was near the end of our trip, um, for almost a week of, of driving long hours most of the days and having um, not necessarily the, the smoothest uh, execution of our plans when it came to where we were going to stay and how we were going to do things, um, we were in the car and we were preparing to go home, but things started to kind of slip into a very casual state. We had had lots of discussion, a lot of open kind of uh, debates at times of what we were going to do. And I remember, at least in my perspective, I was starting to slip into a state of, I think I know better. And the things that I would start to say, the things I would start to do, weren't necessarily keeping in mind other people's perspective, other people's position, other uh, people, meaning our families. Um, feelings at times, and all of us started to, to throw a little bit of um, not always the kindest language. It wasn't negative about each other, but it definitely was not kind, and it, it was more sarcastic. It was more careless, and we could feel a real difference. There wasn't this unity um, among us, and it started, it really did, like the feeling was, it started to cut between us and kind of into us. And it really affected the dynamic of our relationship during even, I think it was strongest for about 30 minutes to an hour. And it was not very fun. Um, We still loved each other, but it did not create a fun environment for any of us. That could have been avoided. That's so true, Joshua. And we're actually going to um, just take a brief commercial break and we're going to come back and talk about what we did to correct that sarcastic kind of conversation that was happening in the car and what we did to do to kind of get back to that state that was very um, cordial and pleasant with one another because it doesn't take long to actually correct course and we managed to do that. So this is Lori Richards with Family First filling in for Allison Marston today. We will be right back after this brief commercial break. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Are you ready to be fabulous? You know, science has proven that women thrive in a tribe together. And now we invite you to join two fierce females, otherwise known as Sheila and Sarah, as they help you take the journey from flat to fabulous. It's fun, terrific stories and wise insight every week. Take better control of your life. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time for Life from Flat to Fabulous on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Create happiness now. Do you feel you have a bigger life's purpose than you're currently living? Of course you do. Activate your passion as you tune in to Sovereign Self with host Sophia Renea Morales. Become the conscious creator of your own life. Connect with your most powerful and purposeful self in order to make big things happen for you now. 
Zofia and her guests are doing this every day and are sharing how you can step into this power too. Listen to Sovereign Self every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. You're tuned in to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. To find out more about Allison and our program, please visit soulintuition.com. Again, that's soulintuition.com. Now back to Spotlight. Here is Allison H. Larson. Hello, this is Lori Richens. I'm hosting today on behalf of Allison Larson. For those of you just joining the show, the topic we've been discussing has been the importance of healthy communication within the family unit. In fact, correct communication is often the key to healthy family relationships. And my guests today are Becky Lacken and Joshua Richens. And before we left, we talked about what it was like as a family, my son Joshua was um, traveling with us to a trip down to California to go see Disneyland and go on a big family trip. And in our vehicle, we started to feel the element of sarcasm slipping into that space. When you're in close quarters together for a long period of time, that can certainly happen. And so we were discussing what happened when we realized that the stress had kind of invaded this special time that we had together and how we, we started to behave in a less cordial manner. So, Joshua, let's take it from where we had left before and what it was like when we started to recognize that we needed a shift and we needed to correct the course of where we had gone into our vehicle. Absolutely. So, it was really wonderful because I'm, I'm only 22 years old. I'm still very young, and I'm, I'm not really that experienced when it comes to a lot of things in life, um, but having parents who... They, I mean, I'm the fifth of seven. I've already left the home. They only have one child still in the house. Um, you, mom, and then also having dad. I wasn't noticing the damage that it already was starting to set in. I could feel a difference, but I wasn't really noticing what this could end up doing if we let it continue on. And my mom, well, Lori, she stopped us. She told us kind of what she was noticing and what she was feeling. And she just put everything out in the open. There was complete transparency of what was going on in our communicating as a family together. And once we recognized what was going on, uh, Lily and I, the, the two children that were in the car with us, um, we started to have to change as well because we were not in the kindest of terms with our parents when it came to our language, when it came to our language, we were starting to be sarcastic. Mom and dad were having little moments of sarcasm as well. But once we recognized that, hey, our mom is mentioning something that's very important, we started to make an adjustment as well. And that led into a discussion. We started to also discuss where the sarcasm was coming from. There was close quarters for an extended period of time, which always is hard. Um, when it comes to keeping absolute respect and carefulness among each other. Um, and then there's also the fact that I'm in a stage of my life where I'm moving into a new form of adulthood. I'm, start, I'm going to be starting my own family. I'm going to be, I'm in college right now. I've been away from home for a while, though I come back every once in a while between 
semesters at school as I'm working over here. I'm entering this new stage of adulthood, and I wasn't recognizing this at the time, but I started to put my opinion either equal to or sometimes above that of my parents when that was not okay to do, and I needed a correct a correction from them about my place as a child, and um, especially in this circumstance when we're there as a family, and I am a child in this, in this circumstance. Um, but, Mom, I think you'd be great if you could give a, more of your perspective on that as a mother, as you, you were teaching me in the car some more about this as well. Well, one thing that I noticed, like this is a treat that we were trying to provide for you children. We were making great sacrifices, parents, to get you down there. And, Joshua, you know that we as as parents have always asked your children's opinion. We want to know how you think. We want to know how you feel. We want you to contribute. But it's really important in order to have healthy family dynamics that you understand correct order. And it doesn't mean we want you children silenced. We just want you to understand the importance that there's a level of respect when you communicate with your parents. Even if you have something important to share, you don't trump or usurp that sacred role that parents have. And we, we would never want to have you feel as if your opinion isn't of value. We want to hear it. But the manner in which it was being shared was almost as if you knew better than, that, knew better than us. And so we, we talked about that and we laid it on the table and we discussed the importance of order in family and the importance of proper respect. And what was really impressive was how quickly you, you understood what we were trying to share and there was no ego, there was no pride, there was just a sense of um, honor and a sense of understanding that, okay, if I have something to say, I need to say it in a very respectful way. And the whole rest of the trip ended up being so, so beautiful. And I really appreciated the chance for us to actually have that experience because now you'll understand better um, when you get into fatherhood and, and your sweetheart gets into motherhood, the importance of order in a home. The other thing that I, I thought was important, uh, you know, Lily, she's the last of seven children and right now you're home from college and our other son is home as well, um, briefly, but... Uh, we happened to be redecorating the house a bit after you two had left, and my daughter Lily, who's now 17, I was putting up a couple really darling pictures of her in our um, in one of the rooms in the house, and uh, and because I knew she loved these pictures, and I just wanted her to feel special. And she said something interesting. She said, "Oh, she said this is so great. It's finally about me." And I laughed a little bit about that, but then I I inquired um, further, too, because I came to understand that when you're the baby of the family and so much attention is placed on the others, there came a time when she really felt grateful that the focus could be on her. Now, Becky, you are a mother of seven children. Have your little ones experienced that a little bit? Oh, definitely. And and maybe not, um, you know, they're still pretty small. But I'm re- I'm recognizing that you know the focus is just so heavily on the events happening in the older kids' lives. That's right. And you said that you wanted to maybe expound a little bit more on experience you had with your family, where you were in close quarters, and it started to get maybe a little light-minded. I'd love for you to expound on that. Well, I just this is all just ringing true to me because we just had a couple of events. We had a wedding. My oldest daughter just got married um, last month and 
when you are planning for, it just seems like stress and sleep are two things and close quarters are the things that kind of bring on uh, family, certain family tension and um, sarcasm is a lot of what plays out in our family when we all start getting, um, you know, together too close of quarters for quite a bit of time or we've lack it, we're lacking in sleep. And um, so when the wedding day was coming and there was a lot of things focused on that, it, I love that you just, you know, addressed and reminded your kids because that's exactly what I had to do. I just had to send out a text and I had to just remind everyone that, hey, this is happening we are all stressed. We're all feeling a little bit overwhelmed. Can we try to work together and alleviate any sarcasm? Because at this point, you know, it's just going to hurt feelings. And just making that aware to everyone just changed the com- complete energy. It, everyone started helping out, being more friendly, kind. It just changed um, the, the family dynamic. So that was great. And then we just got back from camping and, um, again, close quarters and it rained a lot this time. And so having, you know, things not go the way we planned, the sarcasm starts coming out again when we get irritated with each other. And, um, again, just reminded how important it is to deal with the sarcasm and address the fact that it's happening because I think sometimes we don't even, we're just not even aware. That is so true. And, you know, on our trip, I happened to be in a hotel room, and I woke up in the morning, <clears throat> and Becky, you and I are both um, mothers who who believe in a higher power. We're women of faith. We pray steadily over our families. And this one particular morning, I woke up in the hotel room early in the morning, and this concept came to my mind that we live in a time, we live in a day and age when people feel trapped, when they're struggling to feel like Um, They feel oppressed a bit. They feel like they're attached to things or have obligations to certain things that might make them feel restricted. And so they're kind of um, wanting to break free of that. I'm seeing a lot of that. I'm seeing children breaking free of their families. I'm seeing husbands and wives breaking free of each other. I'm seeing people leave religion and all kinds of things are unfolding that are kind of opening my eyes to this. And this particular morning, this concept came to me that people don't want to belong to something. They want to belong with something. They want to belong with someone. They want to belong with a family. And if we can create a, an atmosphere where the children are so attached to us because they feel so loved, they feel like they belong with us as parents, then they're going to be more apt to have a loyalty. They're going to be more apt to feel as if um, they're going to be respectful and they don't want to do anything to compromise that. So when we slip into feeling like we belong to something versus belong with something, it doesn't have that same nurturing, loving, connected feeling that should be present. Does that make sense to you, Becky? Definitely. That is definitely true. So when we have this feeling of oppression, sometimes this is the middle of the SOS. When when people hesitate to walk through the, the front doors of the home or, or they're just not feeling like that's their safe haven, then that's another signal that they might need some extra support. But the next 
letter in SOS is the last one is silence. And Becky, this is why I'm going to want you to expound on this. And Joshua, you'll have something to contribute as well. When people go into a state of silence, it could be because of three or four different um, reasons. The first might be they're just not quite sure not what to say. They're just not quite sure how to respond. So they're still pondering and reflecting. The second reason might be that they're actually wanting to punish that other person. So if you have a marital situation where it's conflicted and say the wife is upset with her husband and so she goes into silent mode because she wants to punish him for something he did or did not do, that's a dangerous place to be in. The worst scenario of all, though, is when they start, when a person starts feeling so hopeless that they feel as if whatever they have to say really isn't going to make a difference. It's not going to help, so why even try? So if any of the listeners out there find them slipping into any of those silent patterns, just pay close attention to the damage that that can create and um, be willing to address it. But, Becky, I want to talk about a fourth reason why someone might go silent. And I asked permission to share this story with the listeners, and I'm so glad that your son allowed us to talk about this. But you had come with me with your son, Nate. And how old is Nate? Nate is now 17. I, how old was he then? Now was he 15 or 6? He's probably 15 at 15. the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you came to my office, and we were talking about communication, and you had some concerns where you just wanted him to have added support regarding situations in school and situations at home, and there was no major crisis going on, but um, there came a point where I recognized that Nate was kind of hesitant to open up, and it was having to do with the relationship that he had with you. Do you remember that? I do remember that. And the first thing that I remembered was that you asked him if he was okay with I stayed in, right? Mm-hmm. If we, yep, because I could tell that he was holding back a little bit. Yes, right. So that was so that was so good that you asked. But what was so impressive to me about you was you were really interested in just getting to the core of what what the problem was, and there wasn't really this ego going on within you, and you didn't slip into this control mode at all. And so I said, Becky, would you mind just kind of going and waiting in the foyer for a little bit, and I'm going to chat with Nate, with Nate and then we'll call you back in, and um, we'll share more of what we discussed. And so while you were in, and you had no problem with that, so while you were in the foyer, I, no. I said to Nate, I said, what would you like your mom to know? Like if you really had a chance, for her to hear what's in your heart and in your head, what would you want her to know? So I had a piece of paper and I was writing it all down. And of course, he felt really comfortable sharing that with me. And I said, well, would you mind if I did an exercise with you and your mom? Can I call your mom back into the room? And can I be the mediator? If you just sit quietly on um, the little I have a love seat in the in the room. So you and, and Nate had been sitting together side by side. And I said, can I just be the mediator and be the, the, the one to vocalize how you're feeling? And would you be willing to just look at your mother while I am sharing what you feel? Would that be okay? Can, can you do that? And he said, yes. And so we invited you back in. And what was so impressive about what you had done, Becky, is you sat there so patiently and you had this most beautiful, loving feeling on your face of genuine interest, 
Like you didn't care who was speaking the truth about the situation. You just wanted to hear it. And so you sat on the couch or you sat on the love seat and you looked straight into his eyes and, and you kind of both turned your body so you were facing each other. And he was looking at you and you were looking at him. And then I would say things like, Nate would like you to know. And so I just kept reading down the list. And can you share with the listeners how you felt about that moment with the things that I was sharing regarding what your son was feeling? Yes. Um, so, first of all, you know, if the, if the listeners can know Nate, he is, oh my goodness, this, this exercise, I was so surprised that he agreed to do it. And it made me realize, you know, how he was really trapped in this middle child syndrome where he sees me just dealing with older kids and little babies and he's just completely, you know, sometimes overwhelmed but doesn't show it. So he, he was so willing to do it. And so um, I, you know, I worked really hard before we went to just want to be completely vulnerable, get rid of any fears I had of hearing things that were going to be really hard or difficult and just being able to accept and own anything that could help the relationship, you know, strengthen it. And you were and so excellent at that. When we come back, Becky, when we come back, we have to go for a brief commercial break again. But when we come back, I want you to expound further on that. I know this is going to be really helpful for the listeners. This is Lori Richens with Family First, filling in with Allison Larson, and we'll be right back. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune in to Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. And get Amplified. If you want to join the ranks of the influencers, you've got to think like an influencer. How about joining one of the top influencers in the world, Leonard Kim, for Grow Your Influence Tree. Leonard and his guests discuss the topics that aspiring influencers need to know, from brand building to getting yourself published and growing your audience. There's a bunch of fun and even some twists involved to keep you on your toes. You just have to listen every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're tuned in to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. To find out more about Allison and our program, please visit soulintuition.com. Again, that's soulintuition.com. 
Now back to Spotlight. Here is Allison H. Larson. Welcome back. I'm Laurie Richens hosting today on behalf of Allison. For those of you joining the show, we've been talking about the importance of communication within the family, and we were discussing um, Becky Latin, my guest today, who's also a client and friend, and a situation where she and her son, Nate, had come to my office, and we were trying to increase the communication between the two of them, and I was being the voice for Nate in communicating what he wanted his mother to hear. So, Becky, you were sharing more about what it felt like when you were sitting next to him and you were listening to um, his emotions coming through my voice, which took pressure off Nate to be able to have things said but not have him worry about how they were going to be said. So, share more from your mother um, perspective of what that experience was like for you. Right. And um, and I, I'd love to have Josh input in a minute about you know, how it might feel as this teenage boy because they really do shut down a lot communication-wise in, the, in some of those um, middle or teenage years. But it really, I, I think you're right, it took the pressure off for him to be able to say some things that I was not really aware of, you know, him feeling like I was trying to do too much. And um, again, my my main focus was to get some answers so that our relationship could strengthen and develop and progress. And so I really just felt so much understanding and peace um, when I heard some of the things that that were being said. And I I did not, um, you know, feel angry or or offended or defensive. I just, it helped me understand what, some things, some simple things that I could maybe change to help him feel more secure at home and in our relationship. And that was a really good exercise because Nate otherwise would not have been able to communicate that. Well, the thing that was overshadowing everything was how much he loved you and how much you loved him and your vested interest was in helping him to feel like he was heard and understood and he just did not want to hurt you in any way so he was holding back and um, this gave him an opportunity to know that I was going to be very careful about how I stated things and I was going to make sure that it was spoken in a way that uh where you were, where he was validated, but also you were honored as the mother. And the thing that I found so beautiful as I watched this unfold, even though I was a participant, I was also an observer. The love that you had exuding um, just from your face constantly was so beautiful to witness, and in your sincerity and your genuine intention for him to get any help that he needed. And and we made a lot of progress in a short amount of time. Um, but you yeah, mentioned did. the importance of bringing Josh in, and I'd like us to do that as well. Joshua, why do teenagers sometimes struggle to communicate with their parents? Especially so boys. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I can't speak for every teenage boy <laughs> um, because all of us do go through individual circumstances with um, their specific relationships with their parents and um, what they go through in their, in their time in life. Um, but going back to like when I was a teenage boy and I was thinking a lot about this um, while Becky was talking, but I remember there was like a shift probably right before I entered my teenage years where I started to like lean towards, first of all, one parent, a parent that I related to the most. 
and we have two, both parents in the house, but I, I kind of just lean towards one that I would start to talk about things that really mattered to me. And for, in this case, it was, it was you, Mom, because you and I were just very kindred spirits. We're, we've been friends for forever. Um, but even... I think we lost Josh. We're going to have to wait for him to come back in until he corrects this. Becky, I want I'm to sorry, talk am I, about... Am I still there? Oh, yeah. Oh, good there you Josh. are. Welcome back. Yeah, I'm sorry. I broke up for a moment. Um, did you want me to continue? I can... Yes, Josh, go ahead. Okay, I'm sorry. But I just remember after I leaned towards you, even then I still had a hard time um, fully... I, I think you used the term held back is what Nate would do. He held back, and mm-hmm. I, I would help hold back as well. I didn't want to hurt. I didn't want to also feel um, vulnerable at times. There's Especially for guys, I feel like we have this pride that we have to be tough, and tough means not to be vulnerable or to be open about things and that we have to protect other people. Um, and sometimes we kind of interpret, especially when we're so young, that to protect means to be silent about things that could potentially hurt or potentially not be as kind when we're trying to relate something. Um, I just remember those really vivid feelings of not really wanting to be open at times because I just didn't want to hurt. I didn't want to offend. I didn't want to um, put someone else in the situation of inconvenience because of the way I was feeling. And also, like you have to... Uh, children have to develop trust in their parents that if they really understand the depth of their feelings, that the parents are going to handle it well. And um, one thing, uh, Josh, I, I'd love for us to talk about uh, is what's happening with your brother, uh, Jacob. So Jacob is uh, has been serving a service mission for our church over in Boston, and it's an area that he has absolutely loved and He's had concussions in the past and happened to get a concussion playing basketball um, just on a day where uh, he was having more of casual activity. And so he has been spending some time back at home with us while his head heals. And um, so he's going through a lot of emotional transition. He loves the people of Massachusetts and he wants to get back, but he's not quite ready to return because his head isn't quite where it needs to be as far as um, the healing of his concussion. One thing I've found over the years, and Becky, perhaps the same as with you, the time that my children have been open to talk the most has been late at night or early in the morning. And so um, in the room where he's staying, there are three bedrooms. It's a very big bedroom. And excuse me, there are three beds in this room. And so I know that Jacob has a lot on his mind. I know, you know, I'm, we're still doing what we can to help him to heal from, from this incident. And so I actually have spent a couple of days sleeping in the same room in one of the other beds because as he's trying to get his brain to settle and, and finally go to sleep because of a concussion, his mind is, is just not as calm. And so... Um, he had things he wanted to say. He had things that he was open to share. And because I was in his same space, it was dark in the room, but I talked, I asked questions, and he shared things with me. And then in the morning, he had things that he wanted to talk about, and I was right there able to listen. 
So it's important that we understand that. Joshua, do you remember how many times we stayed up late talking? And that's when oftentimes the reserve is down, there's a quiet in the house, and then children are willing to share more than they would in the hustle and bustle of the middle of the day. Is that true, Josh? Absolutely. I completely agree. And Becky, have you found that as well as a mom? Definitely. Definitely that and um, car rides. Sometimes, you know, just those are the times where you're able to kind of break out of that routine and just really take a moment to communicate. And, you know, I remember a time our son had had a terrible accident when Jacob was six. He was run over in our driveway and his back was broken in four places and it was quite a a traumatic experience for for him and for me as his mother and, and, uh, of course, anyone involved who loved him. And so he had a period of time of three months. Thankfully, surgery could repair his back, but he had a period of about three months where he had to wear this very sturdy, hard plastic brace across his midsection while his back healed. And we ended up having an unfortunate incident where um, he had uh, taken his bike out of the garage, which he wasn't supposed to do, and he was riding in the in the road, and, and a passerby saw him and became very upset. And uh, it, it's kind of an, a long story, but the point is she called the police on our family uh, because Jacob was riding in the street and she was completely intoxicated and she was just not having a good day. And so she went to this extreme response. And so I looked out the window and saw this police car out in the front of our house. And I walked outside and I said, officer, is there something I can do for you? And this woman ended up coming and she was irate. And and like I said, she was totally intoxicated and she was so upset about this little boy. She said, I told him to get out of the street and he wouldn't leave. And so I finally called the police. And so you can imagine how frightening this was for my little boy who had already gone through this traumatic event. And so as it turned out, um, later in the afternoon, uh, we settled the whole situation. Um, The police officer totally understood. He left. There was no future ramifications except for the impact that it had on our boy. So I couldn't find Jacob. You know, he was nowhere to be seen. And I finally ended up, after a long search, finding him under one of the beds in our house. He was so impacted by um, just the anxiety of what had occurred. And and I had, you know, approached him at some point and I said, Jacob, you know you're not supposed to be riding your bike out. In fact, he shouldn't have been on his bike um, much at all with his brace. And so, of course, any six-year-old is going to want to be active. So anyway, he was very upset. So I found him tucked underneath one of the beds, hiding. And I remember thinking, I'm not going to get this boy out. He's so afraid. He's so hurt. So I crawled under the bed, and the two of us just lay on the floor under the bed looking at the the base of the mattress beneath us. And I just sat or I just laid there and listened and told him how much we loved him. And I told him that I was sorry that he had to go through this experience. And I just stayed present with him. And that's one thing that I've learned um, when he was finally ready, he came out. But as the years have gone by, when I know that my children are in trauma, 
when they're having to process a lot of emotions, I stay near them. It has been not uncommon for me to sleep in the same room in an adjoining bed or even on the floor um, next to them or have them sleep on the floor next to me because, you know, parents often when they get frustrated with their children, they want their children cast out, you know, like go to your room or um, (laughs) along those lines. But Joshua, do you remember we always tried to be come near us. Let's work this out together. Is that how you felt it was? Yes. I definitely felt that that was the case. Becky, have you found that to be helpful as well? Definitely felt that, um, you know, it's just that uh, drawing in, kind of like the Savior does, just trying really hard to bring in, come near, and resolve. That's right. Come follow me. Come unto me, especially the children. So, Joshua, did you want to expound on that a little bit? I would say my favorite memory is walking with you late at night and just walk, looking at the stars. And that was almost an instinctive feeling for the rest of my life. That if I can go and I can just walk and talk with my mom then, that I could do the same now. And it would be this, and I wouldn't have to feel uncomfortable about it. Joshua, thank you. I do have a lot of memories of walking out in the stars with you. We're going to have to wrap up the show today. It's been such a pleasure having both you and Becky here. Becky, thank you for joining us and for all that you had to share. Thank you. For our listeners, for our listeners out there, thank you for joining us for the show today. You have been listening to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson radio show. My name is Lori Richens, and I focus on the family. I focus on any opportunity I have to fortify the family. It's what matters most in life. Together, we can transform our future for the better, one family at a time. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show, can be heard live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go make a difference and be sure to tune in again for the next show.